in the heart of Africa. There is a place known as the land of a thousand hills, lush and green, a land of great vibrancy, full of life, red fertile soil that supports some of the most beautiful landscapes you'll ever see. And yet, like all places in the world where we find tremendous beauty, we also find brokenness, orphaned and vulnerable children with no memory of parents, unseen by society, without the assurance of a meal, the security of shelter, or the dignity of work. But in the gap we find between God's beauty and our brokenness, we believe that God can build a bridge, that grace received and grace shared can turn mourning into dancing, great grief into immeasurable joy, bondage and brokenness, into hope restored and hope renewed. And so today, you are invited on a journey to Rwanda, as together we remember the central affirmation God's story is a story of grace. If we have not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsden. We recently had a team return from Rwanda on a mission trip. We've been there. I've been there uh, in that. I've been to Africa three times myself, and we have a very uh, strong, graceful connection there in a ministry we call Zoe Ministry. And this story of grace we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. Will that will be a, a living part of how we consume the idea of God's grace, see, to live it out ourselves and understand it as well. So again, the story of grace. And the Bible text I've chosen today to kind of bring us into this is the story of a man named Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph had 11 brothers. His father was Jacob. And he was going to be, with his brothers, the basic founding group for the nation of Israel. Some years down the road, that would actually happen. And Joseph was one of the youngest brothers, and his brothers were jealous of him, envious of him. He was the favorite son. And that culture that meant many things. One thing it meant he might be the inheritor of all that the father had. This is more than just the fact he loves him more than us. His brothers found a place to sell him into slavery. They went out to, to where the sheep were. Instead of bringing him home, they brought home his coat covered with goat blood, telling dad that Joseph, our brother, is now dead. Sold him into slavery. He finds his way to Egypt where for, where for many, many years he is a slave there, even imprisoned there. But eventually Joseph rises because of God's gift of being able to interpret dreams to a place of being really at the right hand of Pharaoh. His right hand of Pharaoh, there he is the one who helps Pharaoh uh, save up food for, uh, for seven years during a time of, of, of great harvesting. So when a time of famine comes, they have food readily available for all of Egypt and be, even beyond Egypt. His brothers and their tribes out in the desert find themselves starving. And they, know, they, they, they hear there's food in Egypt, so they go to Egypt. And while they're to beg for food, they see the brother they thought was going to be long gone. And the brother sees them. And there in the Pharaoh's household, they have a conversation. And here is how it goes. His brother sees him, embraces him, restores them to good grace, gives them food and a place to live when he should have been, and he should have been angry, should have been bitter, should have been revengeful, maybe wanted to make them pay for what they had done. He could have done all those things. He could have imprisoned them. 
He could have killed them. He could have sent them out hungry. But no, he receives these men who betrayed him, who sold him into slavery, uh, told his father that he was dead. And this is what he chooses to do instead. A story of God's grace. A son sold into slavery is a story of grace instead. So I want you to think about that powerful story and how this is what we're talking about today with the story of grace in Rwanda. And one verse I want you to look at today to begin, Romans 5, 8, where it says, But God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So there we find the bottom line for every single one of us. We're all the same. That means that all of us begin and end in the grace of God. While we're sinners, Christ died for us, the Bible says. It goes on to say, scarcely for a righteous person would, would someone dare to die, but, but God died for us, and we weren't anything but righteous. So what does that mean? It means that all of us stand in the exact same place. Rwanda, ancient Genesis, and the story of Joseph and his brothers, and you and me, and that's the grace of a loving God. It puts us all in the very same place. God's loving grace toward us. Now I'm going to show you some pictures of, a, of an amazing lady. Her name is Epiphany. Put one of her pictures up if you can. Epiphany is someone we've grown to love through the years. She came to our church actually and spoke to us many years ago. And Epiphany is really one of the most amazing people I've ever have met. I'm going to leave that picture up there for a while, but I want you to think about Epiphany with me. Epiphany began what's called the Giving Hope Program that Zoe Ministry we're connected with really have become a part of. We became, we became a part of the Giving Hope Program very early on. Been a church, been part of expanding it nationwide and even worldwide. Program that began in Zimbabwe, then Rwanda, has gone on now to India and multiple countries in Africa. Seen all that, and there's Epiphany. Here's another picture of Epiphany if I can. Second picture, please. We have, we have three other, two others up there for us. There's another picture of her, and same day, uh, just being with the kids there in that Zoe program, a Giving Hope program that she began, fostered, defined. A third picture, please. Oh, this picture, this is another day on the same trip. This is all the trip made a few weeks ago. And here the young lady has been telling her story. And when we go there, I've been there a number of times, we go uh, there are small groups that have come from being an orphan, putting them together in a family structure, sometimes 100 kids. They support them, uh, teach them personal hygiene, help them be educated, bring them to, to faith in God, and also teach them how to make a living, care for themselves. Uh, sometimes it's going to be a farm they run together. It may be cassava, it may be, uh, uh, may be uh, coffee, maybe bananas, maybe pineapple, it could be any, maybe beans, maybe anything, or they have their own personal business. And they tell their story about how they were found with nothing, starving, uh, barely clothed, uh, facing death, and how uh, Zoe brought them in. And now they have a family, they have a church, they consider us their church, consider us part of their life, consider us their parents. They tell their story. And this little girl broke down in tears. And Epiphany, who's interpreting for her, went over there and just put her arm around her as he helps her finish telling her story, interpreting for her. That's Epiphany. Now, uh, we take Epiphany's pictures off. I'll tell you more about Epiphany. Epiphany uh, is what is called, uh, her tribe is a Tutsi tribe uh, there in Rwanda. There are two major tribes, Tutsis and Hutus. And she was one who was very educated, 
was a teacher in a school with her family, many others as well. And in 1992, you probably heard about the genocide that took place. Over a period of time, for whatever reason, it came to the point where the Hutus, which is the dominant tribe, the various political issues that went on that caused this, Hutus decided uh, with leadership they wanted to wipe out every Tutsi from the country, kill them all. And they, they almost did it. Uh, they were able to give machetes out to hundreds and thousands of groups of, of, of men who would go out looking for the Tutsis and kill them with machetes. Over 800,000 were murdered out of 8 million people in the country of Rwanda. It was her tribe. It was her people. She said in her own story that her hope was her husband and her four kids, that they would die together there in uh, Kigali where they were. That was her only hope as this, as this uh, massacre went on for 100 days and the fear you can imagine. That was her hope. But she was rescued, was able to escape the country miraculously, leaving behind thousands and thousands and thousands of her people that were, were slaughtered there in the streets. Some family, some loved ones, some co-workers. It was a tragedy beyond most of our imaginations. And she escaped outside the country of Rwanda. But she went back. She went back. And here's what she says. She said, in knowing there were so many orphans there because of the genocide, later on because of AIDS and other diseases, malaria being a big one there, she said, my mission became, from the place that she had come from, to give hope. I'm going to quote her now very clearly, that this Giving Hope program is my answer to my nightmare. How she could have responded with revenge and hatred and bitterness. Instead, she came back, built a Giving Hope program, and the girl she has her arms, has her arms around there is from the Hutu tribe, the very tribe that caused the massacre. And that's who she primarily, we primarily serve there, Tutsis as well, in the nation of Rwanda. I want you to hear exactly what happened. Revenge, anger, and bitterness could have been her way. And she had the right to be angry. She had the right to be bitter. She had the right to seek revenge, and she could have. She had that right. She chose to lay that aside, to build her life upon grace, and that's how she understands it. Grace and her faith in God called her back to serve the very people who had treated her family and loved ones so, so illy in that awful massacre, and to help build and recreate what had been destroyed. And now tens of thousands of orphans have been impacted by her ministry. We're partnering with her in doing that in the Zoe Giving Hope program. She is a modern-day representative of Jesus Christ and what real discipleship is, and maybe the most inspiring woman I've ever met smiling and happy and serving and as smart as she can be and created one of the most effective programs to change a child's life in Africa that's ever been created. She saw so many that happened they did nothing for anyone. They just poured money down a drain or gave them things that didn't do any good, didn't help them, didn't create independence or our faith or dignity or our self-respect. She wanted to change that and boy has she. And we're simply honored to partner, to partner with her in that. So here are the points I want you to hear today about the story of grace. The Christian life is not built on the past, what we have done or what has been done to us, but on God's cross-based grace. Christian life is not built on the past, what we have done, 
has been done to us, but on God's cross-based grace. Remember the verse I already read. While we were yet sinners, Jesus gave his life for us. And those words in Romans are teaching us that our salvation is by God's gift to us, nothing we've earned. Simply God said, I love you enough, I'm going to give this to you. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you. Deserve has nothing to do with it, being said. We can easily use the past as an excuse to be bitter, angry, and selfish and living a blaming life. Are we going to receive God's grace and build a new life on what, God, what grace God's given us in Jesus Christ and build and save and bless and give and serve? The powerful grace God gives us. Again, Epiphany could have said, I seek revenge, but no, she sought and gave redemption. Joseph could have said, you deserve revenge, but instead he gave redemption. And God's grace is the story we're all here and all tell and all celebrate and how we understand ourselves as Christians. It's the core of our faith. Why Christians do what they do. Why we give like we give, serve like we serve, love like we love, because our life is built upon the grace that we have received. So grace goes out because we need God ourselves. You get that? Does that make sense to you? Just to me. That, that we give grace because we need it. We offer love because we need it. We serve because we need to be served. That, that our own life lived out, the story of grace, is because we're people who need ourselves. And that's where it comes from. And God meets that need daily, his love for us and the grace he gives us. She could have abandoned her nation, sought revenge on those who caused suffering for her, unbelievable, horrific suffering. Instead, she created a program that changes the lives of tens if not hundreds of thousands of children all the time we get to be a part of. Secondly, the grace of God is best known through the life of someone who has experienced that grace, which is how gospel is presented and shared with other people. Let me show you another picture now. It's a picture of grace. Really, grace in a number of ways. Leave that picture up there for a while if you would. Been in our church for a while. You've, you, you've heard of grace already. If you're new here, you have not. Uh, we occasionally show a video that has grace in it. It's about grace, and her name is Grace. And several years ago, we went to Rwanda, and she was beginning the three-year Giving Hope program where you start with nothing and end with independence in uh, with ed more education, in with faith, in with being able to take care of yourself and self-respect. All those things are taught them over a three-year period in this group. And you end with a family, you start with nothing. And she was one of those that we began with. And we saw her sitting in the dirt. And she'd had a small child with her that she had adopted who was just on the street. She didn't want that child to be alone, so she was taking care of her. She still needed care for herself, as a matter of fact. And that was Grace. And going back a few weeks ago, the team saw her again. They sought her out. And there she is with her baby. She's married now. And that's her own child she has. And she is a picture, literally, of grace. It's a story of grace. Begun with Joseph, certainly made real in Christ, crucified for us, lived out by Epiphany who will tell you, my faith sent me back. My faith in God made me hear the cries of the children and I had to go back as I knew I could help them. 
I knew I knew enough. I was educated. I was able to. I knew what needed to happen, and I had the dream of what it needed to be, and I went back, and there's a story right there of grace. A mother holding a baby, and her name is literally Grace, a story of grace. We're going to begin with a few people. We were lucky and excited and called by God to be on the ground floor of the Zoe Giving Hope program there in Rwanda, Zimbabwe as well. Very small program then. It was only being funded by people in North Carolina. Very small group in Zimbabwe. First trip was there, and I got to go on that first trip to Zimbabwe. And it's now expanded. And we still, we still serve a small group of about 100 kids in Zimbabwe in the Giving Hope program, if you don't know that. And now the 1,000 we serve right now in uh, Rwanda. The 1,000 has already graduated. We served before that. The 1,000 now we're about to adopt again on the next journey, and it'll be $300,000 this time to lead that group. It'll be a quarter million dollars for the each other 1,000 to make this work for us. We've also been part of building a school there. Our team got to go see that school. Uh, that school has 700 or so students each at any given time. And that school teaches kids to be educators themselves. It's basically a secondary school to teach educators. They will go from there to teach schools throughout Rwanda and beyond. How cool is that? And so we see all that happening, and that's all a picture of grace. And it began, it began with a a woman named Epiphany who experienced Christ and grace herself, who felt that in her own heart. And in a place where she could be vengeful, bitter, and angry, she responded with grace and mercy and love and went back to a country she could easily have abandoned. She did not have to go back. It's not easy to live in Rwanda. And that's where she chose to live and raise her family, her own four kids, and other kids she's adopted in her own household to expand her own immediate household along with these thousands here. So hear that. But I want you to see, though, and hear grace and where it comes from. And what grace really is, what, really, what it really is not, a story of grace. You know, when we have a right to, to think that, well, life is unfair, uh, this is, this, this, somebody did something to me, or this is not what I want, or I deserve more than this, or why is it going so bad? We can respond all kinds of ways. We can also respond in grace ourselves, the grace that we receive. So hear that. And the third point today. A story of grace. When one who has the right to be bitter, hateful, and vengeful makes a different choice. Joseph had the right to turn his brothers away and to say, I'm going to let you starve. You deserve it. And they did. They did deserve it. I have the right to imprison you because you tried to kill me. You sold me into slavery for no reason other than jealousy and envy of me. And he, they had, he had a right to do that. He had the power to do it too. He did not do that. Just could have had them killed in a minute. Again, they deserved it. What they had done, the betrayal, the lying to their father, the hiding the secret all these years, he did not do that. Instead, he embraced them. He shed tears so loud the Pharaoh's household heard it, and he said, return. And he brought the entire uh, group of of, of them and their children and and their servants who came and began building a life in Egypt where they were saved. Forty Forty years later, they would go from there to the promised land. You might know that part of the story. Epiphany had a right to hate, 
the Hutus. She had a right to hate those people who wielded 100,000 machetes and killed 800,000 Tutsis over 100 days. She had a right to hate the European world and the American world who did not help, who did not lift a finger to do anything to stop it, who just watched, put it on the news, told the stories, and abandoned the Africans there in Rwanda. She had a right to be bitter about Americans, to be bitter about Europeans and those who did not help, who abandoned her nation and abandoned her and her family to certain death. She had a right. She didn't do that. She said, I heard their cry. Hearing that cry, she moved from a, a place where she said, where I, I gave hope to my own nightmare. I brought hope to my own nightmare by giving instead of hating. And she'd been doing it now for more than a decade, almost 20 years she'd been doing this. And she continues an epiphany, the most inspiring moment, one moment that I know. Sometimes we might think we have a right to be bitter. Somebody does something to us, something happened to us. We have some kind of experience. Sometimes we find ourselves maybe being part of that ourselves. Be hateful and vengeful and make a different choice. I've talked about two pieces of this today, the story of grace. The first is Joseph. The second is Epiphany, Rwanda, and the Giving Hope Zoe program. And I'm talking about a third to bring it to a place that you and I can really consume ourselves. You know, Africa is a long way away from most of us. We may not really engage it completely as much, you know, as, as, we, as we could. That may not be for us. But there is this. Not long ago, uh, I uh, did funeral services for a man named Lynn Steelman. Uh, married, part of our church family. He's 42 years old when he died. Uh, three children, three sons. Now, Lynn is, uh, was a unique, unique person in a number of ways. As a young man, he was diagnosed with a disease called Alexander's disease, uh, which eventually takes your life. Uh, and you may live into your 40s, you may not. And so he knew that was going to happen. A long time ago, he knew that he would probably die somewhere around 40 years of age. Alexander's disease is so rare that there's only a few hundred people in the world who have it. In fact, the family, their family studied for this to understand what it is. Two of his sons have it as well. That's his story. He could so easily, when he found out, have been bitter, angry, resentful in his life. That's what he could have done. Instead, he wore a God is big enough wristband. He had a simple, powerful, deep faith in a loving God. He loved his wife. He loved his kids. You know, he could have uh, had a bucket list. I'm going to die by the time I'm 40. I got all the things I want to do, and I want to go fly here and go see there and do this and jump out of a plane. And sky. You know, he could have done all those things. Nothing wrong with that. He could have done that. But here's what his wife said he decided to do. And here's what she said to me. We got ready for the service. And she said, here's what he did. He crammed into his 42 years all the kindness and all the love and all the generosity and all the friendship that he could every day. So in his light of knowing he would die young, unfairly, he didn't deserve to die young. He was born with this disease. It wasn't fair that he had to deal with these health issues the last 15 years of his life that were terrific health issues. It wasn't fair. It wasn't fair that two of his sons are dealing with it as well. It's not fair. How could he have responded? Bitterness? Anger? No. 
I'm going to cram kindness into today as much as I possibly can. I'm going to cram love into every minute of this day as much as I can. I'm going to cram generosity into my life, even if people around me say you're giving too much money away. That's what I'm going to do. A story of grace. When one has the right to be bitter, hateful, and vengeful, and makes a different choice. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, today we thank you for the words that you give us. The words of grace. God, can it be that before we were born, you gave your life for us? That your life was given in those days we weren't doing so well. Those moments we didn't act right. Those choices that weren't what they should have been. Can it be you gave your life for us when those things were happening to us, when we were hurt or rejected or abandoned or damaged by someone else? Can it be God, your grace has been in our life when things weren't fair? We did our best and it didn't turn out right. Misunderstood, whatever it might have been, God, can it be? And yet we know, Lord, why we get sinners, you gave your life for us. We thank you, God. Thank you for Joseph. What an amazing man that he was to forgive his brothers who didn't deserve it at all. What an amazing person, Epiphany, is God, that you would touch her heart in such a way that grace led her to give to those who actually caused the death of so many of her loved ones. God, can it be that you would touch a man's heart like Lynn in such a way that he would cram kindness into life when he could have been bitter and resentful? Thank you for grace. And now, Heavenly Father, for us, you know us well. And we don't always respond to life with grace. So, God, forgive us of that place. Lay for us a new foundation for a new beginning of your amazing grace. And may our lives be a story of grace. If you know God, people best know that story in the lives of those who have experienced it as we experience it today. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.